0: Good morning to all of you It's good to see your faces. My name's Jose I'm the lead pastor of Cypress Creek Church this church and so if you are visiting uh, I want to especially welcome you We do have discovery right afterwards and so I hope to see you there uh, Taylor said that it's 30 minutes that's only when the questions are easy so keep your' que- I'm just kidding uh, all questions are uh, welcome that's exactly what that is about, discovery, what our church is all about and, and where we're going and all that fun stuff. So we have been in this series, book of Ephesians called Incorruptible Love, where Paul has taught us how to have this type of love for God. So the theme verse is Ephesians six twenty four. It's actually the last verse of the book. And it says, grace be with all those who love our Lord Jesus Christ with incorruptible love. So we've been learning what it looks like to have this love for God that is incorruptible despite the circumstance, despite uh, a relational tension that we may be living with because when God is with us, who can be against us? It, It gives us power, it gives us confidence in where we are. And so this morning we're going to be talking about marriage. So married people, where are you at? You're being double Focused on, I know some of you are like, I, I don't know, should I raise raise my hand? Uh. We have married people this afternoon where again, Sean and Christina will take center stage. They'll invite their friend Ted to teach us all about laughter and playing in your marriage. And it's kind of cool how it came about. We're now in the passage in the book of Ephesians that talks about marriage. And the really cool thing about this is that it's not the only thing that it focuses on. So we're gonna be talking about marriage in context of where we are in the book. So if you remember last week, we talked about taking off off the old in putting on the new. I don't know about you, but I, after teaching, I uh, kept on chewing pretty much the entire week, and I realized that this is not something you just get and move on from. This is what we do as followers of Jesus. We continue to work on this, taking off the old and putting on the new. If you missed it, don't worry. We have a quick recap here on the screen where we have the old stuff. Can we uh, put the list of the old and the new? There we go. So we take off lying. We take off anger and stealing, gossip, independence, revenge, lust, greed, drunkenness and we put on instead truth and peace, giving, encouragement, dependence, forgiveness, love, gratitude, and worship. This is a lifelong process. It's called sanctification where we are literally becoming more like Jesus the more we follow him and receive his love for us. That's key because as we move on to these uh, three roles that Paul's about to talk to us about, first is marriage, Then it's parenting, and then workplace, boss-employee relationship. We have to remember that this is how we are to be and become. This is the goal individually, and the more we do that, the more we're going to bless our marriages, our kids, and our workplace. So all of that, though, we have to take, you know, turn a page back, the first three chapters of Ephesians taught us that God loves us, that he chose us, that he lavished his love on us, and so then instead of looking at these roles and these behaviors as have to, and then we have that word responsibility on the screen, we see them as responsibilities because of God's great love for us We now have the ability to put on the new and take off the old. We now have the ability to show up for our spouses and our kids and those that are in our workplaces. So that's where we are. That's the context we're now going to be talking about marriage. Marriage is truly what brings us together today. And I hope that it's not as monotone as it is in that movie. I've been married for almost 10 years years, this summer. Taylor is amazing. If you know her, you've been blessed, I'm sure. If you don't, then hopefully you'll get to know her. She's incredible. We, had two years of friendship before we started dating. It took me two years to realize that she was the greatest to finally uh, muster up the courage to ask her out. And when I asked her out, I knew, I knew that it was only a matter of time before we would tie the knot. So uh, college, everything's just more excited in college, right college students, where you at? It's just college season is fun, it's free. You have all this time. And so we were hanging out a lot. We got to know each other really, 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 really well when we were friends and and then we started uh, dating and then it went super fast. So in four months we got engaged and five months later we were standing on the stage tying the knot and then celebrating at the most incredible exclusive venue in all the hill country, the Wimberley Community Center. (laughs) Because that's what you did back then. We didn't have all these, you know, grandiose weddings. You just got married, you know? It was like a step up from the, uh, this and then the, the, the halls in the church. What are they called? The, the, somebody hit me with the, you know what I mean? The what? The Fellowship Hall, thank you, Christina. The Fellowship Hall. Yeah, it's just a step up, the Wimberley Community Center. In fact, if you go there now and you wanna get married at the Wimberley Community Center, you'll see a picture from 10 years ago. We made it. We're We're the example. So anyway, we got married and here's the thing. We went to premarital counseling. If you're thinking about getting married, if you're dating and, and, and almost to that point of engagement, if you're engaged, premarital counseling is a must. We, have, we had three amazing counselors, or two amazing counselors that counseled us three times that dealt with all this stuff. So the stuff was really good, like the, the content was really good. But this stuff right here, man, I was like, I don't need this stuff. I got it, I got Jesus. We love one another. We're just ready to get in the game. We don't need no practice. It's like my posture was like going to a Super Bowl parade when I hadn't even been drafted yet, you know? And and so it, it hit me the day before our wedding. I was helping Taylor bring some stuff out from the Wimberley Community Center. And I, you know, normal optimist, just, this is incredible, babe, we're going to get married tomorrow, spend the rest of our lives together. And she looked at me and she had this big old stare and and she had tears rolling down her eyes. And I'm thinking, who did this to her? You know, what's going on? Y'all, I was clueless. I was clueless. There was so many things that I didn't know that I now am starting to know about marriage. I didn't get all of the nuances and stress that she was carrying because we had different upbringings. Now, all family was together, uh, different cultural backgrounds. Here, the Wimberley Community Center, 11 p.m., you're done. You know, wedding, you gotta be out, you gotta be cleaned up by 11 p.m. In Mexico, you don't stop a wedding till after you eat breakfast, okay? (laughs) So all these cultural differences and then on top of that, we're just two completely different people. We had different pasts and we have two completely different personalities. I'm an external processor and an extrovert to the max and, and she needs time to collect her thoughts and process internally and, and she's an introvert. She enjoys and recharges when she's by herself. Marriage is a lot of hard work. I'm glad I heard some amens otherwise I'd be very concerned. But here's the thing. His Word, God's Word teaches us how to put in that work so that we can not only have satisfying marriages, but that we can point to Jesus as we walk out our marriage. And so that's what we're going to look at. We're gonna look at five secrets to a satisfying marriage. If you've ever heard me say a marriage ceremony or Pastor Rob, you've probably heard these because we have used these because they're so good and they're so true because they're from the word of God. So five secrets to a satisfying marriage. We're going to be looking at Ephesians 5 verses 21 through 33. But before I want to talk about all the seasons of life that are represented in the room. So some of us are single and we don't, we're like married. (laughs) I'm in junior high. I'm not thinking about getting married and that's right. You should. Don't worry about marriage right now. Uh, But some of us are in college and we just can't wait to be married. And my encouragement to you, if that's the seasonal life that you're in, is to pursue Jesus. Because that stuff that we talked about last time, the taking off the old, the putting on the new, in our brain sometimes we think that when we get married, things will be okay. Like that's the solution for us to get over an issue or to move on from a certain season, and that's just not True. Take this time in your singles, embrace this season of life that you're in and pursue Jesus. Make Him your Lord of everything, the bad and, and, and the hard, all of that stuff. Give it to him and watch him transform you and prepare you to be an incredible husband and incredible. Wife. Some of us have been married for a number of years, just a few years. We're just starting to, to uh, establish that foundation. And again, these are so good. Others of us have been married for a long time, and we either think we may, uh, you know, know what we're doing, or we're really good at hiding the fact that we have no idea what we're doing in marriage. These are such good principles to anchor us as we continue. Uh, in our married married journey, and then there's those of us who are no longer married, those of us that have lost a spouse, and we have struggled with grieving the loss of our partner in our. Best friend, And the beautiful thing in that season is that you're not alone. You have a group of women and a group of men that have experienced the very same thing that God has given you to walk alongside. I wanna call out our touchstone group that's led by some of our amazing women. I see Silly and Debbie, can you guys just wave at me? Let's give these amazing women a hand because I don't know if you know this, They have a group of 40 odd some women in our community that used to be married or now widowed and are walking through this journey together. And so if you know someone or if you are someone, you saw their hand come and talk to them, so important for us to do that together. And then there's others of us that have experienced so much pain in our marriage that we've had to separate. And this is why it's so important for us to talk about God's way of doing marriage. We have to rewire our brains. We have to be transformed by his way so that that does not happen. And if that's you, not only am I so sorry, but you are also so seen by God who loves you, who never forsakes you and takes care of you every day. Step of the way. So, no matter where we are in that spectrum, this is for us. Because I'm going to hit one more thing and then we'll, we'll hit in the verse, but it's really, really important this order that Paul gives us marriage, parenting and our workplace relationship. Uh, if, if we were to add one, we've been talking about our personal relationship with Jesus. So the first priority is for us to be one with the Lord, for us to grow up in our relationship with God. And then the next priority is our marriage because when we invest in our marriage, we're also investing in our kids. Our kids are now seeing a good example of a biblical healthy marriage. And then when we invest in our home and our kids, then we can show up for the people in our workplace. But the problem in our culture is we flip that upside down. We don't get married. We don't have kids because we're so focused on our career. And so we need to realize that God's framework is different than our culture. It's counter- cultural the way that Jesus is asking us to live. So, once we invest in our marriage, then we are blessing our kids and that's our home and then we can show up to the people that we're working with and and as we go through all of these, the very uh, the the key ingredient in all of this is this first point on the screen. Uh, Submit, yeah, let's go back to the verse, I'm sorry. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. This word submission is the intro to all three roles, marriage, parenting, and the workplace. There's different positions, there's leaders, and then there's followers, but this is the key ingredient to all three. Here's why, back then, you heard a lot uh, uh, of stuff towards uh, wives, kids, and bond servants, slaves, or employees. That would be our term uh, today, employees instead of bond servants. A lot of rules in Roman uh, culture and literature and also in Greek. So a lot of folks were talking to those that were under and how to be submitted. But the beautiful thing about God's word and Paul's teaching is he's speaking to both. He's speaking to the leader, And he's speaking to the follower. And this is the key ingredient submission. Submission is something that every follower of Jesus is called to do. Jesus, his buddies were uh, hanging out, and and, uh, it was near the end of his ministry, and they realized that he was about to usher in his kingdom. And so as soon as they the light bulb popped up like we're friends with the King. They started jarring about who was going to sit on Jesus's right and who was gonna sit on Jesus's left. And then in Mark 10, uh, Jesus corrected them, verses 42 through 45. Jesus called them together and said, you know that those who are regarded as rulers are the Gentiles lorded over them. So the rulers of the world rule top down and their high officials exercise authority over them. Verse 43, so important, not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be slave of all, for even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus is saying, follow my example. Even though I'm God, I came not to be served, but to serve. If we want to become great, let's be the greatest servant. So, this ingredient of submission is important for all of our relationships when it comes to being in the middle, uh, in, in the body of Christ. And it's also a fruit of being filled with the Holy Spirit, because the opposite of submission is yielding over, it's, it's overseeing with a strong arm. And my friends, that is not freedom. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free, Galatians 5.1. So we submit to one another out of reverence for Christ because Jesus submitted himself, even to the point of death and death on a cross, which is in Philippians chapter so I, I want to talk about this word submission as we uh, read this next verse in uh, Ephesians 5:22. Wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands as you do. To the Lord. So I want to stop right there because that's often where we stop. And that's unfortunately where so much pain has been inflicted upon when we take this one scripture out of context. I'd like to consider changing this word from submit to trust. What if we saw it that way? Wives, trust yourselves to your own husbands as you do to the Lord. Be considerate of your husband and allow him to be the leader, which is what the next verses are saying. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, his body of which he is the savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. Throughout these verses, we're gonna read 13 verses that are geared towards the wife. I'm sorry, 13 verses, 47 words that are geared towards the wife and 143 that are addressed to the husband. Do you see a difference there? 47 and 143. If you do the math, that's times three. Three more times, Paul is addressing the husbands than he is the wives. Why? Because we all have a role to play. And instead of competing for control and leadership, Paul is saying, no, that, that, that authority and order has already been established. Husband, you are to lead. Wife, you are to follow, complement one another. Allow your differences to build one another up instead of tear one another down. So wives submit. Later on, uh, it, when, when Paul addresses kids, he changes the word from submission to obedience. Children, obey your parents. Now, every parent in the house said, amen. You know, if we're gonna nuance the submission, you can't nuance a child submitting to my authority, right? Because parents should know what's best for their kids. And in this word, unfortunately, submission has been used and yielded forcefully to mean obedience rather than what Paul here tells the husband to do. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, his body of which he is the savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, also wives should submit to their husbands in everything." Man, I wanna talk to you for a little bit because I am a man and and it's right for me to say this. We need to not only be in the game, but we need to be the team captain in the game. We're being called out right here as the head. Whether you are acting like the leader or not, God is calling you to be the leader in your home. And not only that, but considering uh, verse 25, husband, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. That is a high standard, men, that Paul is calling us to here. He's saying, love your wife completely, that you would die for her, that you would sacrifice your life for her. That's the type of leadership that we are called to give as men, sacrificial, grace-filled leadership. Women, I hope that as you hear that, you would be willing to submit to a leader that loves you and knows you completely so much so that he is willing to sacrifice for you. That is God's way to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word and to present herself, uh, her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. Another word for love there, husbands, love your wives, is uh, be committed. Be committed like a team captain is committed to his team and leading his team in that role of team captain. Push the ball further down the court. We have a commitment, choose one another sacrificially. The, one of the problems that we have with this is the way that our minds are taught in our culture. We watch movies and we watch rom-coms or if we haven't watched rom-coms, we watched our parents watch Hallmark movies or whatever it may have been, but we think that there's only one out there for us, that soulmate. Right? The, the, the one and only. And that's not scriptural at all. There is no soulmate out there. There's the one that you commit to and there's the one that you choose. Here's what happens when we subscribe to the soulmate idea. We may have this amazing romantic in love type circumstance that comes up, bubbles up and kaboosh just wonderful burst of love and, and there's so much energy and emotion and, and this and that, and that goes away with time, especially the more you get to know that imperfect person that you are now with. There's nothing more romantic than choosing your spouse every day when they're doing good, when they're doing not so good, when it's easy and especially when it's hard. That's what it means to commit and to choose one and other daily. There's a lot of distractions that we encounter in marriage. Uh, our jobs, sometimes our kids, we can make them number one and instead of number two. But, but Paul is saying, hey, uh, husbands, remember, you're supposed to die for your wife, so set aside those things. And it goes also for women. Are there anything that may be distracting you from committing and choosing your spouse today? And then we need this third, um, fourth, very important ingredient, which is, Communication, verse 28, I'm gonna keep on reading. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself after all no one ever hated their own body but they feed and care for their body just as Christ does the church for we are members of his body so he's he's saying tend to your marriage take care and feed your marriage and there's no better workout in your marriage than communication choosing to talk choosing to get on the same page not only that but on the same line of every Page and, and I put naked and unashamed because that's the goal, to be totally open and vulnerable, and that's the way that it was in the garden. Before sin ever entered the picture, we read that Adam and Eve were naked and unashamed. Unfortunately, we tend to hide though. Just we talked about last week. We we tend to hide from God. We also tend to hide stuff from our spouse. Communication is the way that we say, "Mm -mm, not not in my marriage, I'm gonna choose to confess. I'm gonna choose to confront. I'm gonna choose to be honest and I'm gonna choose to be vulnerable. So what does it look like to make your marriage the safest place? It requires communication. I wish I would have practiced that in that scene in the parking lot at the Wimberly community center. I I was just shocked and I didn't understand why she was feeling that way because I hadn't asked to that point. I thought it was all taken care of. And I could have just said, hey, is there anything that you need me to do? Is there anything that you want to talk out or flesh out? I'm still in process of learning how to communicate and how to do conflict better in my marriage and notice that we haven't talked about physical intimacy or sex at all, here's why. Because communication breeds emotional and relational intimacy and emotional and relational intimacy will fuel physical intimacy. Sometimes we, make, we think that that's the most important part where Paul's like, y'all just get this in order and trust me, this is what's most important. Important, And some of us are listening to this and saying, but Jose, you don't understand how hurt I have been. How could I open up my, my, myself up to someone that could hurt me again? And to that, C.S. Lewis writes, writes this. To love at all is to be vulnerable. Love anything and your heart will be wrung and possibly broken. If you want to make sure of keeping it intact, you must give it to no one, not even an animal. Wrap it carefully, round it with hobbies and little luxuries, avoid all entanglements. Lock it up in a safe casket or coffin of your selfishness. But in that casket, safe, dark, motionless, airless, it will change. It will not be broken. It will become unbreakable, impenetrable, irredeemable, to love is to be vulnerable. We're vulnerable when we open up, when we're honest, when we communicate. The last one, Paul closes in verse 31. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. That's the Genesis 2.24 passage. This is a profound mystery, but I am talking about Christ in the church. However, each one of you must also love his wife as he loves himself and the wife must respect her husband. So Paul ends by tying our marriage as a picture to the covenant that God made with all of us who have said yes to Jesus. Marriage is just a picture of what is to come. Two will become one in marriage. When Jesus comes back, Revelation 21 says that there will be no more tears, there will be no more suffering, there will be no more sin. Death will be no more. Two will become one. We will be with God forever. Nothing will separate us from his presence and his glory. Marriage is just a picture of heaven that's why we need to put these things to work i want to uh, recap quickly have this culture of submission that again we'll talk about again next week and the week following consideration trusting one another being committed choosing one another sacrificially every day and in communication being naked and unashamed being completely vulnerable and then have this be a reflection of god's love for us his covenant. When I do weddings, it's really in now to write your own vows. Many of you wrote your own vows. I know you did because I've done some of your weddings and I've seen you out here and and it's great and it's really romantic and amazing. The wife normally uh, uh, gets up and and she's, you know, glowing and and she's sharing things and and making things up about the guy just to sound it, you know, fun. And then the guy's over here and and he's sharing things that he's never told her before here in the wedding ceremony, being all open and maybe he's crying too. And it's so romantic, but I always make this condition. If you want to write your own vows, you got to say the traditional vows too because oftentimes we get so caught up in the romance that we lose out on the depth of these vows. This is how I wanna close today. I wanna read these vows to you as if Jesus was making them for you. So no matter where we are, again, whether we're not married, soon to be married, been married for a long time, this is the source of our confidence in whatever season that we're life, It's God's love for us. And so I blank, I'm sorry, I, Jesus, take you blank to be my wedded, to have and to hold from this day forward, for better and for worse, for richer, and for poor, in sickness and in health, to love and understand till death unites us forever. Let's pray. I thank you, Father, for that love that you have for us, your unconditional agape love that is available every morning because of what you did on that day when you died on the cross and then you defeated death by resurrecting from the grave. And Lord, we look forward to the day that you return and make all things new where nothing will separate us for all eternity. We thank you for that covenant. And Lord, I pray for the married people in the house that we would choose to invest in our marriages by putting these into practice in our lives being totally committed to one another, being considerate, doing good with communication and reflecting your covenant, God. And above all, being submitted to one another out of reverence for what you've done for us. Lord, if there's anyone in the house that hearing this feels troubled because of the tension that exists in their relationship, I pray that they would have the boldness and the courage to reach out and get help whether that is showing up at married people or or talking to a safe person here today or seeking out counseling. God, we thank you that we are all imperfect and you are the only perfect one. And Lord, for those that are still wearing the scars that broken marriages bring, I pray for your healing power in our lives that you would show us that greater is he who is in us than he who is in the world and what the enemy meant for evil. God, you can turn into good. Allow us, give us patience to go through the process of healing and being restored. And thank you that you walk with us because you gave it all to be with us. It's in your holy and precious name, Jesus.